Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast. As always, I'm your host, Corey Tyndall, and this week I sat down with comedian, writer, uh, filmmaker, good friend from uh, our intro to comedy class right when we started this whole thing, uh, Liza Renzulli. Uh, It's funny, and I bring this up on the podcast uh, because she wanted to talk about murder. Uh, One of the first things that she ever said to me was to go download a podcast called My Favorite Murder. So um, when I asked her to do this, I had a feeling it was going to be on this topic, and she uh, is really pushing the envelope on the kind of an expert part of this. She might be full-on expert with everything that she knows about all these different people we dive into the psychology of not only of murderers and killers in general but the different psychologies of the different types of murderers like family annihilation versus a regular serial killer versus you know a woman who kills and all this other stuff being a psychology major in college i thought this was really interesting i had a great time i think you guys will too with that, uh, please remember to like, subscribe, share. Really appreciate any time you talk to a friend about this podcast. Um, at this point, we got so many topics that there's definitely at least one or two episodes that whoever you tell will be interested in. And if they're not interested in any of these things, that's a boring person and you need to not talk to them anymore. So with that, let's get into this episode. so jealous of the the fucking um unemployment checks like i figured i would have made this if i got fired i would have made the same amount of money as if i kept my job and i know long term that's not the smart thing to do but i really like could have used a summer off like what you're just talking about it was great i feel like i got lucky (laughs) because i i got furloughed i think april 1st was my last day of work and the actually since the when we texted about doing this this episode and now i just got a text that my show is coming back and like i love this show it's great really fucking good and funny and so i'm what show it's um uh do you know phoebe robinson stand-up comedian phoebe robinson uh i know the name yeah yeah, it's her. She was one. She was like on the podcast Two Dope Queens, just like a really funny stand up. So it's her new show on Comedy Central. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, nice. And it's yeah, it's she's just really fucking cool, and it's I think it's really funny, and um, I'm really it's like exactly the type of content I want to be working on. So I'm really really pumped about it and happy. Like I was, you know, it was nice to have a minute off, and now I'm like, okay, I could work again, and it's like the type of work I want to be doing. So I feel <laughs> like I saw my therapist about this day. I was like. Did this year work out weirdly well? Like, knock on wood, because it's not over yet. And I know <laughs> yeah. 2020 is a trash fire, and I do feel really guilty saying this because it's been so bad for so many people. But, like, I just, a couple things worked out this year that I think were I was very, very lucky about, you know? Yeah. Well, law <laughs> of averages, I'm just glad that it worked out for somebody. Because most <laughs> most people, it stayed the same or got worse. So I know, watch. I'm going to get somebody, hit by a bike like, tomorrow or something horrible going to happen. I mean... At I'm this point, it's really just you and Be- Jeff Bezos uh, really making it out of this year on top. I guess we'll throw Elon Musk in there, too. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I feel like I have a couple friends, actually, who I mean, again, this is like a privileged person thing where it's like my friends who who work, um, you know, 
white collar jobs, um, a lot of people have been able to work from home and haven't had their salaries decrease and haven't whatever. And it's been, you know, everyone in New York works so fucking hard. I feel like a lot of people are having this experience where they're like, oh, this was like a mental health break, like a global pandemic was less stressful than my day-to-day job in New York where I work 60 hours a week. And I felt that, you know, like my hours are usually, I usually work 10 hour days and do comedy and shit at night when I can and podcast and all this shit. So it's insane. But I, I think that for a lot of people, I know they had a similar experience where they were like, oh, fuck, like this was enlightening. Like my life before wasn't sustainable. Oh no, there's, there's definitely a lot of people that will have just left the city during the pandemic and, and they're never coming back because the the thought of like, wow, if I go back to the city, I'm going to work 20 more hours per week, especially like people in their mid thirties are not supposed to live in New York City unless they have a job that can only be done in New York City like if you're in TV or you know you work on Broadway or something like that like finance media you gotta be here but everything else like get the fuck out yeah all these people in their mid 30s are trying to have kids in fucking Williamsburg and you're like get the fuck out that's what Connecticut was invented for (laughs) shout out Connecticut yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) no it's true it's funny because I'm 32 and I feel like this sped up the inevitable exodus of my friends out of the city i've had maybe five or six friends leave permanently and wow i this is like kind of the first time i've had friends leave before for jobs or for grad school but this is the first time i've had friends be like i'm leaving the city because i'm choosing to live a different lifestyle right and And they're not going to la which is normally where you lose your friends to in new york (laughs) exactly like Two of our, two of me and Jeff's best friends, or a couple, bought a house in Vermont. Like they bought a fucking house in Vermont. Damn. And I was like, oh my god, like this is happening. Like I feel like it's sped. I'm approaching mid thirties, but I think thirty two. I can still call early thirties, but I feel like it bumped every. It just sped it up. Everyone was like, let's just do this now instead of doing it in two years. Um, yeah. And it, it definitely, I had a moment where I was shook. I was just like, oh, fuck, this is, re- I'm really got to grow up now, but I'm not going yeah. to. <laughs> nah, you're, you're fine. You're, cause you work in TV. You've got to, you've got to be here. Oh, yeah, also, here. it's yeah. like all of our competition just left. Like all the people that stayed in New York are going to have this advantage over, like it's, you know, with all the, um, with, it's the same as like the boomers retiring and now all of their money is going back towards the younger people like all of the people in comedy and show business who are a little bit too old that probably should have left uh to do other things are now especially in comedy gone and people who are new actually have opportunities to take stage time and like get oxygen in the industry yeah is a long-term benefit of you know all these this pandemic and all these people dying uh not to not not to say it's Jesus, all worth Corey, it holy but, shit uh, <laughs> Corey's out Corey started COVID <laughs> I did yeah you know what I was just sick of all these open micers I was exactly. like you know what we need a plague you're the and, bat uh, you're the you're the soaking wet bat in the Chinese marketplace that's you <laughs> uh yeah that's uh I don't know I'm just trying to look on the bright side with yeah. this, <laughs> this no stuff. it's it's a weird year it's it's like I mean I've I'm not a, a Pollyanna or 
I mean, you know, I'm a fucking bummer. I'm not like a glass half full person, <laughs> but I am like, oh, this uh, again, like there's so much of this that's bad. It's so, and it's so much fucking worse for people who work hourly jobs for people who oh, have yeah. pre-existing health. Like there's so many people for whom this has been the worst year of their lives. But I think that like there is a, a large benefit to like everyone having to rethink them them their life the life they're living you know well every everyone in the city everyone in the the midwest hasn't yeah. changed a damn thing that's uh, a great so. point <laughs> that is a very very good hey, point they want to keep living and keep dying that's that's on them like yeah. i said my uh the positivity rate in my hometown right now is 20 percent and only going up baby there's that's no insane. coming down remind me it's, it's Mich- so it's, crazy you're from michigan right yeah, West okay. Michigan. The one thing that I will say, though, is that number is a little bit inflated because of how stubborn Midwesterners are. And nobody's really talking about this. I'm very passionate about like New York and Manhattan. It's like a 2% positivity rate. And part of the reason for that is every the testing is everywhere. It's so easy to get a test that anytime any Manhattanite gets a fucking sniffle, they go get a test. Yeah. Where in the Midwest, you have to be half fucking dead to even be considered for a test. So the fact that it's only 20% is kind of surprising to me because the, like, it is, I, I'm kind of surprised that four out of five people that go that are feeling so bad that they're going to wait a week to go get a test because that's how long it takes doesn't actually have COVID. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. not a great metric. However, it's still not good like the hospitals are overrun and that's really the important metric uh but anyway this podcast wasn't about covid but <laughs> you know it is now no it is now well unless you're saying uh covid is murdering people then Ooh, yeah. maybe does that fit that's a bit of a stretch All do right. you think i'm such a freak for this being my topic we could talk no. about that you know what i it's when I texted you, I thought to myself, I bet it's going to be on murder because I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but the first week that we actually met in that class, you, me, Keanu and Lee and Keanu and Lee have both done episodes of this podcast. You recommended to me that I go listen to the podcast, My Favorite Murder. Yes. Like half your bits were half of your very early bits were about murder. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, at least in my note, in my iPhone note of like potential bits for the future. I would say 30 to 40% of them are in some way murder related. I just think about murder all day, every day. And is that stressful to you? You know. Does, does that put a damper on your day? It's funny because weirdly it's stress relieving. And I know. Interesting. How mu- yeah. And I know how much of a freak it is. And that's part of the reason I love the My Favorite Murder podcast is the two hosts of that podcast. Um. Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff talk about murder and like the you know it's not new everyone thinks true crime is like a new obsession and it's just not like in the 1800s they used to sell tickets to um, see houses that people had been murdered in like they would leave the crime scene with blood out they still do that in New New Orleans oh fully you can go see fucking murder houses I've been to some of them I I will go visit a murder house I'll drive by a murder house I was hiking with friends in Boulder, Colorado recently, and I was like, hey, guys, we're going to fucking see the John Bonet house. Like, I don't care. Nice. I don't care that you're not interested. We're driving by it. Like, um, and yeah, no, I, for whatever reason, it's 
I I grew up in um uh, even though it's Connecticut, which people have a very specific view of in their head. Uh, I grew up in a really really rural area called it, the town is called Mansfield. It's close to where Yukon is, but it's like hmm. it's you can't see any houses from my house. You can't see the road. It's woods in every direction. And I was always terrified when I was a kid of like break-ins. I was I was really afraid of home invasions. I was really afraid someone was going to come like murder my whole family. Wow! My parents so you were, were like, like a you were like a city kid living in the woods. Yes. Like that's that's normally that happens in reverse. Like you grow up in New York, you go to the woods, you think everyone's going to come out of the forest like a zombie movie. Exactly. And I'm the exact opposite. Like I live in New York because it feels the safest to me because I know wow. that like if I get attacked on the street. There's going to be some, if there's one crazy Mm -hmm. person, there's going to be 12 normal people within shouting distance. Yeah. But where I grew up, if something happened, yeah, like I couldn't even run to my nearest neighbor. It probably would have taken me 25 minutes to sprint to my nearest neighbor's house. And I was asthmatic. And he probably would have murdered you. Probably. (laughs) And like, I just, it always freaked me out. Always. And so as I got older and I, I kind of started to realize that this was a genre, like I could really read about serial killers and murder and um, all of this stuff. I just like, I got obsessed and it felt like I was protecting myself because I was like learning everything I could. And I felt yeah. like if I could learn stuff, then I could outsmart the murderers. <laughs> So were you like the weird 10 year old who's telling all the other girls at recess, like how not to get murdered? Or is this like a later, a later age uh, obsession? I think it was a little bit later. Like I wasn't like a goth kid. Like I loved Broadway and I was like a nerd, you know, but I, I definitely was that kid who like, if my parents told me like there was a girl almost exactly my age who was murdered one town over for me when I was that same age I was 12 or 13 and I remember my mom you know it was before we we were like we have the internet but we were like the first people to get it there were like two websites this was this was probably 2000 Pornhub and Red Two. Exactly, yeah. And those Only were the two, two I frequented, just Pornhub yeah. and Ask Jeeves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, so so I was like 12, and uh, so this was probably 2001, 2002. And um, I just remember I really wanted to know about it, and I couldn't learn anything because my mom wasn't like, you know, she would turn off the TV or whatever, so I was asking my friends, and... I just, my mom wanted to protect me, but I was just like, I want to know everything. And that's always been more of it. It's like, if Uh, someone's like, you don't want to look at this picture, I'm like, oh, I want to look at that fucking picture. Like crime scene picture. Like I want to look a 911 call. I want to hear it. That's, that's so funny. The image of like your mom going to your dad late at night after she puts you in bed and she goes, I just can't get her to stop watching Dateline. It blows my (laughs) mind. It's like, she's so confused and worried about you. (laughs) <laughs> Truly. It's it's like so true. That's and awesome. <laughs> I was and I I just was like desperate and I remember like I always wanted to know more about these cases. And also my parents were like they did they were protective of of me and that kind of stuff, but they were also news junkies. Like the news was always on. And you know, there's always horrible shit happening in the world. So I would just mm-hmm. hear it all the time. Like there were a lot of you know, house fires and like all family died. And then my sister went to high school with a, um, there was this really famous case. I, I think people kind of call it like the Connecticut home invasions. Mm. Um, it's really similar to the like in cold blood murders that Truman Capote wrote about. Um, 
And basically, someone broke in to followed a, followed a woman home, broke in and killed her her and her two daughters, and um, tried to kill her husband. But he survived. But my sister mm. went to high school with one of those girls. She went to private high school with one of those girls. Wow! So that was there were just a couple crimes that happened a little like close to home that yeah. I think upped both my anxiety around it and also my like I need to know everything so that this doesn't happen to me right 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 so so let's let's I kind of want to get it more into the psychology of like being obsessed with murder and then eventually I do want to get into like the murders themselves and like the psychology of a murderer which I I know you haven't murdered anyone but I assume you've done quite a bit of research there I mean don't um, assume anything court no I'm just kidding I have not murdered anyone <laughs> I'm terrified of blood and also ter- you're terrified of blood but you also want to see like the crime scene photos see this is what i'm this is the stuff that i love like this cognitive dissonance that you've got around yeah. like wow that's horrible i need to see it and is the other it thing completely anxiety driven do you think or is it like like uh, i i i don't have this at all so i'm i'm really curious i mean it's interesting because okay so so there's a couple facets but i think that it's also noteworthy that I should just send this episode to my therapist. Like, I don't know if she would charge me to listen to well, all this. Well, she can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> iHeartMedia, and uh, everywhere else that you can list, download a podcast. And follow at, I'm just kidding. Yeah, follow, uh, like, subscribe, share. Come on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, think, a thing that's bizarre is like, I hate horror movies, like scripted horror movies. I've seen probably four or five horror movies in my entire life. I can't watch wow. them. I can't handle it. It's too scary. It's, it's like, but the real stuff I love. And I think there's a couple of things. I mean, one thing is that I'm really like fascinated with psychology. I was a psychology double major in college. I, Same. yeah, I mean, I've just always really loved, um, you know, people who have like abnormal um psyches or whatever however you want to say it right um so like there's that part of it you know like i was an actor for a while i'm a writer like i like trying to figure out weird people's brains and understand them and i'm fascinated <laughs> by people i'm obsessed with like getting drunk and interrogating people i've definitely interrogated you like I've, you've yeah, seen I've me interrogate strangers yeah where i corner <laughs> someone and i'm like tell me about your childhood like that's a big thing. No, so I think- I'm I'm also fascinated by that. So that was honestly one of my favorite things that we would do an open mic and then some unsuspecting <laughs> victim would sit down with us at the Grizzly Pair and I could just watch you just go to town on their brain. Get and a they would leave and completely go, so confused. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> they like, would the leave like Do I need to see a therapist? Yeah, they don't even know your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bizarre. I have so many people who are like, You freaked me out the first time I met you because you were like <laughs> Asking me about my relationship with my siblings, like my birth order, like all this shit. Um, you mean so, the important shit? Come on. What are yes. we doing with the small talk? That's the fun stuff. Fully. I'm with you. That's the whole reason I started this podcast. I don't think yeah. I've ever admitted that before. It's great. I mean, I love like it's similar. It's like I like that about having a podcast, too. I'm just like I get, I'm allowed to just ask people the questions that I want to ask. Them. It's, yeah. it's less weird. In a very borderline autistic manner. Totally. Just straight up. <laughs> Here you go. I don't have any game. I don't have any um, no. nuance. Um, See, this is why we're friends. All right. <laughs> we figured it out. Boom. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely started with like a combination of the, it was like a combination of the anxiety and just the fascination with people. And, you know, I think there is like, to me, a deep, 
I'm also like, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm try to be really, I don't try to be like, I feel like I'm pretty empathetic in that, like, I get really sad for other people. Like, I, I feel um, other people's feelings pretty intensely. Uh, and it's always wild to me the idea of people who just experience the exact opposite of that. Like, I was a really emotional kid. I cried a lot. I, movies really fucked with me, sad movies. Like, it would stay with me for, like, days and days and days. Like, it would really hmm. confuse me that that people had to go through horrible things. Like, I, I got really... I was, like, very sensitive and kind of prone to, like, a little bit of depression. And um, so, to me, the flip side of that is, like, oh, I care about you so little. I don't care if I end your life. And hmm. that's so interesting to me because it's so... To me, it was so confusing, the idea of caring about someone else's personhood so little that it didn't affect you to end their life and cause their family pain for the rest of all of their lives. Um, so those were kind of like, those are kind of the like recipes, the the ingredients in this like weird smelly recipe of me loving murder. <laughs> Interesting. So I want to... Um on that point do you think that has something to do with kind of the the gender divide in terms of like fandom of serial killer podcasts shows documentaries like because there's a it's mostly women am i wrong that that are kind of into to murder do you think it has like in the same way that you are incredibly empathetic and you have this fascination with people that aren't as empathetic. Men tend to also be a little less empathetic than women. Do you think that has a little bit of something to do why men aren't really that interested in it? Yeah, like, 100%. And okay. also, I think it has to do with the fact that like women are just in more physical danger their whole lives. You know, mm-hmm. like we're smaller, we're, we're from a really young age told we have to protect ourselves, told that people are going to be after us that people are going to be trying to like sexually assault us I and mean, people are trying to do that like every yeah. woman has experienced that so no, I it's think, the yeah. to your your point earlier about like walking around with the 12 people it's it's funny you bring that up because my thought when I came here like when I lived in a not so great area when I first moved here was like I'm probably not going to get robbed because odds are if someone was looking to rob someone they're gonna look at me and go a smaller man or or woman will pass by here in less than 10 seconds so he's not worth it which most if not all women have no uh no ability to say that totally and and also like we're at such risk in the home too you know like Mm -hmm. i i joke with this all the time with my partner who is the gentlest most like kind (laughs) empathetic he's very nice I mean, he would never. This is why I can joke with him about it. And it does sound fucked up. But like, hey, I got a, a real fucked up sense of humor. Um, I'm constantly like, well, you know, you're you're going to be the one who will murder me because mm-hmm. women are most in danger from the people inside their home, their fathers and their husbands, the men inside their home. So it's, you know, and for women, it's funny because I'm I you know, this is a, an old Louis C.K. joke that whatever people may at me for reposting but it's true i'll just bleep out his name okay great um (laughs) but he made an he had an old you know he had a joke about uh men 
Um, you know, me- the biggest threat to men's health is like heart attacks. The biggest threat to women is men. You know, like I'm butchering yeah. it, but I'm not going to like take the time to make his joke funny. He obviously doesn't super care about women either. So it's, um, <laughs> got him. Oh, yeah. man. Just wait till he Boom. hears this podcast. I know he's really going to that's really going to put him in his place. Uh, but it's true. It's like that, you know, um, violent acts i think are the i could be super fucking wrong here but you know i don't i don't think that um well i could be wrong here but i'm not a scientist so no it's only kind of an expert you're you're doing perfect oh and that is fucking right up my alley um (laughs) (laughs) basically like I, i think that the the for women under 35 the second um, leading cause of death is violence right b- behind accidents. Wow. Um, like, I think it even outpaces suicide. Um, I could be wrong about this, but somebody, well, most, somebody most, can Google it. Most people that commit suicide, I think, are men are by men, a pretty yeah. wide margin. And it's because we want to kill women, but we just don't know how, I yeah. guess. We're just yeah. off ourselves. Got to kill something. Well, this is, is also what I'm saying. fully, something has to die. Um, this is also the thing that I think is so so hard is that I think. I, I think it's really unfortunate because we don't, you know, I'm talking about how I'm empathetic and how I think I felt things really deeply and whatever. But I was also always taught to like talk about my feelings and like if I was angry mm-hmm. to talk to someone about it, if I was sad to talk, like express it. Like men don't get that a lot of the time. They're taught not to feel their feelings. And like, of course, they become turds, you know, I mean, not all. Yeah. Like some men and this is my favorite like i love a pure sociopath who had like a normal ass childhood and is crazy <laughs> then there's people like it's charles brain wiring yeah yeah and then there's people like charles manson who like if you read anything about charles manson's childhood you're like oh he actually turned out kind of well like yeah. he had the most fucked up childhood of anyone i've ever heard of so like right. there's times when it's understandable and then there's times where like Ted Bundy was a pretty fucking normal guy who had like a pretty okay childhood and like some bad shit happened. But I know 50 people who have been through worse childhoods than Ted Bundy. Right. So it's like there is an element of randomness and brain chemistry and, you know. So is that partially why you can't do the horror movie? Uh, like you can't watch a horror movie, like lack of control and lack of understanding of the killer because like with like texas chainsaw massacre or like any of those old school they don't give you any sort of a backstory is that kind of it with the horror movie or just the idea that it's it's fake kind of bugs you i don't know i'm interested in like that kind of dissonance there where it's like dateline good horror movie bad yeah i mean it's a great question and honestly like i I am gonna bring this up in therapy next week because i haven't talked about this particular (laughs) facet of this anxiety but no i think it's because it feels like horror movies up my anxiety they show Hmm. um the the real feelings of people in these really horrifying situations and this is a thing that like i don't love hearing um like I've, there are some, there are some like nine one one calls where you can hear the the um, victim like pleading and right. shit like that. Like that really fucks with me. And I feel like okay. horror movies, you are the victim. Like the protagonist of the horror movie is almost always the victim or the person trying to get away. And to put myself in that place, like that's my biggest fear to be in that place. So horror movies are all about like putting you in with a protagonist who is in a horrifying situation. Whereas right. true crime to me is like learning like about the situation so that I might be able to avoid it or identify people who are dangerous. So just the fact that it's the true crime is past tense where horror movies are present tense. 
or like true crime it feels like i'm gaining something from true crime like it feels like it it calms my anxiety because it's teaching me something about how to survive whereas horror movies are just showing me how scary my worst fears are If that makes any sense. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. I fucking got it. Like, I'm already feeling this way. I don't need need you to confirm. Totally. Like, it blows my mind when people tell me they think it's fun to be scared. And they're like, horror movies are so fun. You get so scared. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, that's... Like, why would I want... They're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? (laughs) And I'm like, do you want to talk about how John Wayne Gacy stacked the bodies in his yard or or his house? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, I do want to get into that for sure um because it like the childhood thing has always interested me uh as well so like um i i was also a psych major and one of my classes was uh deviant psychology like mm-hmm. psychology of deviants and the the professor of that was like this really old dude who used to be a prison therapist and he actually did a few sessions with both jeffrey dahmer and ed gein shut and so, the fuck up yeah so he That's had some so cool. killer stories. Yeah, he had some great stories. Like inmates trying to like uh, stab a pencil through his hand. Neither one of them did it. But he was saying like it, exactly what you were saying. He was like, Dahmer was super boring. Like that, he was just a narcissist. Yeah. Ed Gein was the like... I, I don't want to say fun, but like the interesting one where it was like, what the fuck went wrong here? Which where do you kind of fall on that scale? Like, I'm assuming you're going to you're going to be more interested in the Ed Gein than the Jeffrey Dahmer. And if you want to go into what each of them did, I'm, I'm good with that, too. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember exactly. I'm sure, you Ooh, know, Ed Gein is hair raising. <laughs> it's uh, wild. It is truly fucked up. Um, Northern Wisconsin, baby. Yep. It's there's some you Wisconsin's got some good good murders. Um It's just a depressing state. It's so flat. It's all farms. It sucks. It sucks. Oh, come on. I one of my best friends is from Milwaukee and she stands Milwaukee. So it, you know, there's nah, cheese and beer. Being from Michigan, I think uh I think I get to say it sucks. All right, cool. It's allowed. <laughs> Friend, um, friendly rivalry. <laughs> Anyone from New York says it sucks, I will kill them. <laughs> Um, that's completely fair. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because I, I, the answer is a little bit like all of it. Like I, there's nobody I don't find interesting in this world really. Like very recently I've gotten, um, pretty interested in family annihilators, which are husbands (laughs) who kill their whole family. Are you thinking about having a, having kids, Liza? Is that what, uh, is that what that means? Oh my God. Did I just bring up another thing for therapy? No, 0%. Although no, I just fucking put eggs on ice. So I didn't have to have kids. Nice. Um, Good call. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe Robinson doesn't have time for your kids. Exactly. Um, (laughs) so yeah, it was, uh, it's uh you know the i tend to have little moments um with different people so like right now i've been reading a lot about family annihilators and kind of there's a couple interesting um documentaries that like are having a little bit of a moment um with family annihilators there's like uh one on netflix called ooh, what's it called Amer- i think like, it's called american, american family. murder yeah american, american murder Mur- yeah, yeah. I've, and that I've one, seen the the trailer but not the uh i haven't watched it oh that one's crazy because they the family of the victim got the uh, allowed the cops to turn over 
all their body cam footage. So they're like with the husband on the day he killed his whole family, watching him lie, like going through the house. He's like, where are my daughter? Like you're watching this shit happen in real time. It's really, really wild. Insane. So, so just for the listeners, so we don't leave them hanging. Let's, let's, Tell them who Ed Gein is. Oh, yes. and, okay. uh, people Sorry. people know Dahmer, I think, but a yeah. quick refresh wouldn't Ed be bad. Ed Gein was, um, I don't remember, like, I feel like it was 70s, but I could be super fucking wrong. He was a really prolific serial killer who is actually, I think, the inspiration for Buffalo Bill in um, yeah. Silence of the Lambs because he enjoyed skinning his victims and making household items out of them, including, yeah. and this is my favorite thing in his house and not favorite this is horrifying but he had you know those um like cords that you pull your blinds up with yeah and there's a little like not a tassel at the end like a little plastic thing at the end right he replaced that plastic thing with a pair of lips yes i did my my professor did mention that and the other thing that he mentioned that that you didn't is not only would he make household items out of their skin he actually would undress the entire body and then put on their skin and then go out into the farm and howl at the moon like a dog yeah like this guy was he was really something else totally and he was like i would put him in the like the mommy issues category (laughs) yeah because he also like he i think that like his mother died and he basically like didn't touch anything in the house after she died except replacing it with human body parts it was very fucking weird and creepy and he had a very weird relationship with his mom and i think her her death sent him over the deep end of like really like i think he was you know i think he had the the triad the like childhood triad which is um violence to animals bedwetting and setting fires um like if you have oh interesting yeah basically if a child has two of those three things like you should worry like lots of kids have one right lots of kids set right. fires lots of kids bed, bed wet it's not a big deal but if they is start the to anim- do two the animal one is kind of the i mean that's got to be the biggest red flag more than fires or bedwetting right yeah i think it's the biggest thing but it's it's the the um bedwetting thing is interesting because uh, even though it's very common in and chi- you know lots of children are late bedwetters um but it shows that there is some um abnormality in your prefrontal cortex which is where your impulse control lies so Hmm. uh it it kind of goes to show but the thing is it doesn't always indicate that like i have a close friend who was a late bedwetter and he's the sweetest like muffinist adult he's so sweet and kind like it's the idea of him ever hurting a fly is insane but so it's not like i'm not trying to throw bedwetters under the bus but it's like, again, as, as soon as you have two of those, it's kind of like you want to just keep an eye on them and make sure they're not doing anything too fucking crazy. Yeah, right. I will. Uh, I'll keep that in mind for if I ever have kids. Yeah, the future Tyndalls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so going into like i think that's a that's a good lead into to talking more about family annihilators i actually had a question is there ever really serial killers who end up killing their own mother because there's a lot of them that kill their wives and a lot of them that kill their kids and a lot of them that kill like random women and boys and all this other stuff but like is do they ever attack their parents Really? I guess fathers maybe would make more sense to me. I don't know. I don't know the, the stats or any stories there. 
I think it's pretty rare, but it does happen occasionally. Like, did you watch the show Mindhunter, the Netflix show? No, I I couldn't get into it. Yeah, was... that's fair. It was okay, like not great, but yeah. I there was one of the serial killers in there, and I can't remember his name. Um, but all the killers in that show are based on real people, although like the main characters are not. Um, interesting. And, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Um, and there was one. I think one of the guys in that killed his mother um it does happen i think it's usually men killing their mothers is like the most common um like it's pretty common i mean unfortunately for serial killers to experience like a ton of early childhood violence at the hands of their fathers yeah um and uh yeah so so i think it can happen sometimes but it is fairly rare and that's kind of why i've sort of been interested recently in the fact that like most quote unquote family annihilators don't have a history of violence and that's really rare it's rare for somebody to kill without any history of violence so it's not impulse control it's not yeah usually it's a very specific psychology and it's funny because a lot of times they're really like upstanding citizens and they are successful and a lot of times they're handsome and mostly they're having affairs. Um, but I think a lot of times it it starts with like a fight and then they accidentally or on purpose kill someone. They snap, they kill someone. And then they're like, you know what I'm going to do instead of calling the police or an ambulance is I'm just going to kill everyone and then I'm going to lie about it and try to get away with it. It's a it's yeah. another form of narcissism. It's a real it's a high level of belief in your own intelligence and your own ability to get away with things and also your worth Hmm. being greater like you seeming like a good guy being greater than the worth of like your children you know well hold on i'm i could see it the other way because like don't you isn't there a chance that it's it's like true panic that's causing them to to hide it just like and not being able to accept the reality of what they just did less than like a narc like for someone who truly just snapped like it was a fight they saw red they they blacked out murdered their family or whatever and then the kind of came to mentally uh quote unquote and then they went shit i can't go to jail i have to figure this out uh and anyway if i get caught i'm going to jail as is so why wouldn't i try to keep this going i don't i just don't see the connection of narcissism there unless there's like other factors to it that i'm not catching so here's where i think it's a little different say you snap and kill your wife and that's it you don't have kids or your kids are not home or whatever you snap and kill your wife and you're like i'm gonna cover this up that happens a lot it's not okay Nobody right. should do it. <laughs> yeah. But the idea of like, I'm going to try to get away with this is as panic. I can totally buy. The thing that I don't get is like you snap and kill your wife and you panic and you're like, oh, my God, what do I do here? How do I get away with it? How do you mm-hmm. make the next leap to like, well, I've got to kill both my kids, obviously, you know, like that's the thing to yeah. me that is is emblematic of narcissism because they the, the person believes the killer believes I my life and like people seeing me as an okay guy is worth more than my children's life because usually what happens is they kill their wife first and then they kill their kids and right that's the thing that i can't imagine is you're trying to clean up a crime scene and 
you take that next step. Like that to me is is like the difference, I, I think. Okay. No, I, I think that's uh I think that's a good way to look at it. It could also be shame as well. It's kind of the only other thing that I could think of of just like, wow, my kids are gonna hate me, which I guess would go into narcissism as For well. Sure. So it's the belief yeah. like, oh, I I have the I have the ability to decide who lives and who dies in this house right now based on my actions you know well, that's like, how every man just comes home from work though that's you true. walk in the front door and you're like i could yeah. kill everyone well, in here right you. now if you I know wanted they, to. they bought the right. wife and stuff like they, it's you know it's their decision <laughs> <laughs> ah the good old days oh. um so when when a woman ends up killing their their family do they kill kids first or the husband first and i know this is more rare it's super rare in fact like i don't i don't really know enough to speak about it i i think that it's it is like a a, it'll happen every once in a while that a woman will kill her children um right but i haven't heard of any like full family annihilators that are women that does not mean they don't exist that just means no one's made a docuseries about it yet (laughs) right but i would watch the (laughs) fuck out of that if someone's got a recommendation at me sounds like you gotta make one (laughs) exactly um (laughs) But yeah, but it's a lot of times I think when women kill their children, um, there's like super, super deep clinical depression involved. And it's a feeling that they want to prevent um, their children from suffering in the way they are. I'm not letting women off the hook. It's not okay. But they mostly women kill themselves, too. And usually when men kill their families, they do kill themselves. Like most people... um, end up killing themselves but it's also uh it's um there's a lot more examples of men who will kill their whole families and then try to get away with it and cook up sometimes crazy fucking stories and um, yeah what are what are some good some good stories that that stick out to you of men (laughs) just being really awful liars i take it yeah so I'm watching, I watched part of this documentary series called The Wilderness of Error, which okay. is about a guy in the, I think it was like 1969 or 1970. It was a couple months after the Manson family murderers of Sharon Tate and um, like all of the people in that house and the, right. the two murders, the big murders in LA that the Manson family committed. Um, and this guy in North Carolina, uh, well, a, a woman and her two children were killed, and her husband was a doctor and was home and um, had some his his family was brutally killed. And he had some very like light surface injuries that were made by a scalpel and like he was a surgeon in like very clinical places. and he like punctured his his he collapsed his lung. So it looked hmm. kind of more serious on first sight, but he did it like, in this place right between there's a spot right between two of your ribs that is like basically these doctors they had on them are like that's if you were gonna like go into a patient's lung that's exactly like that's a spot you're trained to go in at um hmm. and he so it was like self-preservation at the yes, same time yeah wow so he basically said that a group of hippies who were on drugs came in and killed his family like very similar to the manson family and he wrote exactly he wrote pig on the wall 
but like <laughs> the, the pig on the wall was written while he had surgical like there were surgical gloves on which is like what fucking hippie is gonna put on surgical gloves who's on drugs yeah. you know and there were dozens of things and there were so many weird inconsistencies and there was a magazine in the house at the time with photos of the manson murder that had just happened like there were just all these things where it's like oh this guy clearly read about this did you know it just was so um obvious and there are still people who are uh this documentary series i was watching is actually making an argument for his innocence so i watched it wow. and i was like i don't think i buy this and then i read a shitload more about it i spent like hours on the internet and i mean like he did it like he just you know like he definitely <laughs> did it um but it's so that was a pretty wild story of just like those hippies they all came in and they're crazy those hippies that is uh that is fascinating so when like let's take this one step in the process like he get they the cops figure it out or whatever they're like you're under arrest the trial convicts him whatever do these men who end up killing their family generally confess or do they generally kind of try and keep the lie going even even after they're in jail and like you know locked up for the rest of their life um like how what is what is kind of the ratio there because i know Dahmer was like oh yeah 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 i fucking killed him for yeah sure. <laughs> well it's interesting and like i think this is a difference between like true psychopaths sociopaths and not um hmm. i think that sociopaths and psychopaths do not ever uh you know, I'm actually contradicting myself. The thing is, I feel like it's all over the map. I feel like people who are who are actual experts in this might disagree with me, but some some psychopaths want credit and they want to brag right. about it. They want to tell their story and they want people to tell them they're the best serial killer that's ever existed, whatever. Some are so narcissistic that they believe they can sell the lie that they didn't do it forever after they've had DNA, after there's been DNA and just such incontrovertible facts. Um, and like some, I, I think it's similar with these. I, I don't think that a lot of family annihilators are like true psychopaths or like have that kind of serial killer, like actual, right. like, you can see the differences in a psychopath's brain. Like they've done functional MRIs on them where you can see, um, like blood flow and they have different brain chemistry than Isn't their heartbeat people. generally lower as well? Yeah. Like, it, they, it takes the theory is like it takes more for adrenaline to hit their system and so they're willing to do like crazier stuff to get mm -hmm. sort of a rush is kind of the the psychology behind yeah. that yeah and in fact like most sociopaths do not feel anxiety and most sociopaths are not violent but hmm. they don't feel yeah. anxiety which is the craziest thing to me so you can have them <laughs> cornered and they'll still like not really be that stressed about it. Um, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of people who have this brain chemistry who are out there and in a lot of ways, it can actually make you extremely successful in, in the world. Um, they're really confident, they're, they think they're great, they don't feel anxiety, like they're really successful. Like yeah. there's a, you know, this, I mean, a lot of people know this stat, but like there's this thing, the psychopath test, um, this book, the psychopath path test, and um, this guy gave it to thousands and thousands of people and, um, you know, 1% of the general population, like, 
has psychopathic tendencies, but 4% of CEOs do. I thought um, it was 10. So uh, it yours, could be. Yours, is, I, yours sounds more accurate than, than 10. 10 seems like a lot. I'm not super positive, <laughs> but it's like, it's true. It's You do, like some of these things really can forward you in life. It's just when when that link gets made in your brain between um, these tendencies and violence or these tendencies in sexuality it, that's where i think it starts to get pretty gnarly interesting so so let's let's get into that how often is uh, like are these murders and and i'm gonna guess this doesn't happen too often with the family annihilators but with serial killers like how often is it sexual and how often is it like childhood trauma and i mean like is it or is it both most of the time i feel like there's a almost always a sexual component not uh, most of the time i think there's a sexual component Hmm. um i think it's pretty rare for there not to be even like you know i'm thinking about just like the guy who who went on a killing spree who murdered um johnny versace uh oh yeah that wasn't he wasn't like raping his victims (laughs) But he was, they were often men he had some kind of like previous sexual entanglement with or had some like sexual attraction to. And he was a gay man and he only murdered other gay men. There was like always this kind of, um, uh, this self hatred. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, very, very depressingly, um, there are a, uh, gay men are overrepresented. (laughs) This is going to sound really fucked up and I don't want people to think I'm, saying that gay people are more likely to be serial killers like the psychology behind it is that it's people who have been taught from a very young age that they are fundamentally fucked up and unfortunately Uh. in our society that's how that happens a lot to young gay men it's happening less and less thank god but i think for a long time that translated into like that kind of deep self-hatred um translated into violent tendencies and it still it still does and that's um you know you do see that in a lot of people is like really early childhood trauma or violence um yeah and then there's the fucking ted bundys who were just kind of nice charming college educated men who are like handsome and everybody likes ted bundy's one of my favorites because there's no signs just zero empathy zero empathy and i love oh my god i have a story about ted bundy that i love please um he you know (laughs) they knew at a certain point that they were looking for a guy who drove a a gold bug like they they knew there was a serial killer they they um had there was someone who had escaped and they knew what kind of car he drove it was a gold bug and they knew somehow i think that his name was ted um maybe someone had he had told that to the woman who escaped i can't remember like the details but they basically released this big thing in washington state um that was like on the there was this huge news blast like every night they were like okay anyone who knows a guy named ted who drives a gold bug like just call us like we need to hear from you and one of ted bundy's co-workers was like oh my god like ted drives a gold bug and his name is ted like should i call them but like it couldn't be him he's the sweetest man he walks me to my car every night to make sure i'm safe like he takes care of me it was like she just thought it was the most impossible thing ever but the people on the news were like we need to hear from you if you know someone like this and she called and i think that was part of how they tracked him down and she was like this is the last person in the world you know he just was like a normal fairly handsome charming guy he had found out when he was a teenager that his 
the person he thought was his father was not his father, which I'm oh, not wow. trying to downplay that that's really traumatic, but usually stuff like that is not enough. You know what I mean? Like right. I know people who have had experiences like that where they find out their, you know, dad has been cheating on their mom. It's shit like similar where it's like, oh, that's like some unpleasant family stuff, but it's not violence. Right. Um, well, it's it can sometimes like and this happens with with drugs a lot. So like you're I think you and your psychology classes in, in college, correct me if I'm wrong, studied like, you know, human behavior. I did a lot of like studies on on like drugs and whatnot. And like what can happen with schizophrenia, namely, is like your brain can be predisposed to it. And all mm-hmm. it takes is just like the littlest little thing. And sometimes that could just be like smoking weed one time. And it's like, bam, you're schizophrenic or like something. It's just that little kick that it needs. Like, is that, can that happen with psychopathy and socio or sociopathy or does it really like take more than that in most instances? I think usually it does. I feel like almost always with these, with these people, um, these really like scary fucked up serial killers, um, uh, not that all killers are not fucked <laughs> like, yeah. they are um, <laughs> but usually it uh, it tends to be that they've experienced like some trauma um, and, and sometimes it's like massive trauma uh, and a lot of times it's just really regular not just it's it's regular violence within the home that I think a lot of people mm. it used to experience like like it's it's weird because it used to be so common to get regularly beat up like my dad's dad right. like my dad's on the older side he was um born in 1936 like his dad used to like fucking just switch them you know yeah. <laughs> like a no, lot same with my my great grandpa used to beat the shit out of my grandpa yeah and like, my grandpa's fine but you know yeah, it just I, was I, I could really see common. where he wouldn't be totally but like it's crazy because a lot of times now i'm reading about this stuff and it's like oh his dad used to beat the shit out of him and i'm like oh but like my grandfather used to beat the shit out of my not beat the shit out of, but it's like you know that just was really common child rearing practice in america for a right. long time so it's weird because like now we'd be like oh my god that's horrible and atrocious like get cps in there like get these kids out we gotta get them safe we gotta get them psychologists but then it was like everybody just fucking hit their kids. So right. it's funny because it, it is like different levels for everyone. But I do think mostly, yeah, there there tends to be in a lot of a lot of serial killers who are willing to talk about it, who like debrief with the FBI, um, uh, like the kind of like shrinks at the FBI. Like this is what Mindhunter is based on. There's a unit at the yeah. FBI that makes just as profiling of serial killers. They just talk to in jail serial killers, interview them, trying to understand like psychology. And that's how they profile now when they're like we think we're looking for a man in his 30s of this you know blah 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 um but i think that most of uh most of those people who are willing to talk talk about like a spark kind of moment like similar to what you're talking about with um the way that some mental illnesses can come on uh and it's sometimes like i killed a frog and i got a boner you know like it's it's like this the connection <laughs> oh, gets made hasn't been there i mean jesus that's true. christ <laughs> but did you also wet your bed Corey? be honest <laughs> well only when i got the boner from the frog sure sure, sure, was, sure. they all went together it was all yeah linked. and yeah. then you let lit the dead frog on fire and of course yeah. he's got to pay for making me wet the bed for sure of course i understand 100 <laughs> percent that's all um, i want is acceptance really yeah yeah i see you Corey. i see you deeply 
um, yeah. So like you know, most of them talk about having a moment um, where the the link kind of gets made between I think usually like sex and violence. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's so like it seems like there's just so many different factors that can kind of go into it and then just like part of me is because like it's it's generally accepted that 90 percent of your personality is genetic and like just how much of psychopathy is genetic and it's funny like i was golfing with my dad one time and and we were talking about uh like genetic nature versus nurture and he was like disappointed that like it was so high on the on the nature side he's just like oh i felt like i did a good job and i was like dad 10 percent is plenty enough to fuck me up if you really wanted to yeah uh, so it's like does it kind of follow the same rule like how many of these people were just like destined to be these complete psychopaths or like were they always going to like our our psychopath our uh ceos that are psychopathic literally just like one childhood trauma away from going from one of the most successful people in the world to a complete serial killer i mean it's a really good question yeah i mean i i don't know i mean i think i'm not sure i would love to know the answer to that question i think that it's a lot of times when you hear about the childhoods of these uh, of these serial killers it's extremely fucked up like that okay. does happen a lot of times like even with like ed gain or whatever and i i am gonna fuck this up but i enjoy this about your podcast it doesn't really matter if i actually know no but not at all <laughs> you know like i think he was kind of like a shut-in with his mom and she he was you know yeah they, and like they lived on a farm and apparently like no people would go like close to years without seeing him or uh his mother yeah and and a lot of times like even if it's not violent it's something like that where you're like oh you weren't socialized you weren't normal you didn't have normal like early childhood experiences you didn't have normal adolescent experiences where you started to interact with the opposite sex in a way that was like healthy and boundaried and whatever so i feel like that kind of stuff happens a lot but it's there are always those stories like of people who just don't experience that who have like relatively normal childhood or relatively minor childhood trauma and um and it happens too so i think it's tricky but i also think that you know i don't think it's an accident that like super powerful men tend to have a propensity or have a tendency to sexually harass their employees like i think there is hmm. like power and sex are very intertwined and you know rape is all about power and very little about sex and um i think you do have to have a lower level of empathy to like commit acts like that um so i think that there's a spectrum in all of this in all kinds of all of these kinds of bad bad behaviors and like malicious behaviors um and it all kind of there are yeah there are like levels to it but i I think that i have like a a weird hopefulness about the future and about gen z um there's always going to be you know violence and there's always going to be fucked up people but i also think like these kids are getting raised with like a much deeper understanding of like personal space and boundaries and consent and shit that like we just never empathy totally bullying like caring about people like 
and like the boys too the the people the kids who are like little boys right now and like that gives me a lot of hope um because yeah. i do think like ultimately boys have been raised to be violent and like not that empathetic for a long time it's not that hard to just be like oh you can talk to me about your feelings <laughs> you know it's like even if right. it's like, so i mean um, it makes you gay but oh yeah I mean, yeah, yeah that's well, fine yeah, now so it's gonna all good be gay. yeah no definitely right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're canceled sorry <laughs> yeah. uh the, <laughs> yeah um no i i 100 agree i think just the fact that like gen z is growing up with the internet and they could see like they get a true picture of what's going on in the world like at a very young age we're really like you know living in in michigan it's we're, it's too cold to really have homeless people so i didn't understand how bad the homeless pe- person problem was until i moved here and like that kind of thing if i had grown up now it's so easy to see it's on the news it's on facebook it's on like pretty much everywhere so i think you're uh i think you're right in in that sense yeah for sure i mean hopefully like like i said you know i I, there's no part of me that thinks like violence is going away but i i do hope that like by teaching kids they can like talk about their feelings and like be who they are uh and, and like not hate themselves you know like that could select out for some of the some of the like violent adults we see yeah fingers crossed also there's a full drum line protest going by my window right now so if anyone is hearing <laughs> like drumming and chanting that is um on the street yeah uh i can't hear it through the phone so i think we're good but honestly we've done episodes of this in the park and like homeless people have asked me for money while we were recording so <laughs> these any all of my listeners are totally used to the sounds of new york okay, cool. so so we're good there um, and that's an hour that went by so fucking fast. Thank you for doing this. That was this. really fast. I really could talk about this forever. Thank you for giving me a place to talk about it. Yeah. No, <laughs> I definitely because I know there's more than two types of murder, so we might have to do a murder part two, still killing uh, the sequel <laughs> sometime in the near I'm future. Ready. Maybe I'll even um, research. I'll, I'll pull up. <laughs> I'll make a stat sheet so that I'm not right. just fucking talking out of my ass. Nah, that's fine. Don't become a full expert. Just that that would break the rules of oh, this okay. podcast. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Copy. Um, okay, so back in the before times, you were always doing like a million fucking things. What are you doing right now? What do you What do you have to plug? I can't imagine that you stopped doing everything oh, just because I of have pandemic not. hit. Luckily, it's mostly been writing stuff, which is not anything pluggable yet. Although, hopefully, um, but I am. You can listen to my podcast. Uh, Believe it or not, from this podcast, I have a podcast about dating called 51 First Dates. Um, <laughs> she <you> can... <laughs> just figures out whether they're going to kill her friend exactly, or not. Exactly. <laughs> fully. 100%. Um, you can listen to that anywhere you get your podcasts uh, and follow it at 51 First Dates Pod. Um, and I think that's like kind of it. I'm not I'm not like I, you know, I'm making like weird short films to submit to festivals. <laughs> so I don't think nice. it's anything anybody wants to watch. But I did just make one <laughs> about a hitman. So Ooh, that's <laughs> maybe fun. that'll. Yeah, it was a blast. All right. Well, send me the link. I'll put it in the uh, the description on uh, this podcast. And thank you for doing this. We'll have to do another one soon. Of course. I would love that. It's been so fun. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. Talk to you okay, later. Bye. Bye.